Welcome to the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast. I'm your host, Steve Pugh. Um, I have my good friend, the lovable, the adorable, uh, Kevin Serbobbins. Kevin, how you doing, sir? Hey, much better. Yeah? yeah I was near were... death for a few days. You um, were. We're recovering. Oh my God, dude. You were uh, you were down for the count. Um, I knew it was common. The kids get it. I get it. It just happens every time. <laughs> Uh, so we have a very special episode. Um, unfortunately, you didn't get to be a part of the interview. We actually got to sit down, or I did, got to sit down with the National Havoc Robotics League, uh, or the NHRL, and I got to talk to them about uh, one of the really, really cool things that's in there and very much a part of nerd culture, uh, robotics and robot combat. Um, I'm jealous that I missed this one. It was a really fun interview. Uh, growing up, this is one of the coolest things that existed, and it's still a thing. Yeah, like which so is amazing. Let, let's take a second to before we go into the interview for this episode. I, I did want to sit down and I wanted to kind of reminisce a little bit here uh, because you know robots, battle bots was a thing when we were younger, dude. Like that was like. The 2000s, that was like one of those things. It started with the dream, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, which okay. we love and remember, all right? Fair enough. Which evolved into robots fighting. Now, now it evolved into, oh. let's do the, the evolutionary math here. It went from Rock'em Sock'em Robots to, it. where is Terminator in this line? The, the, with the, the, that, I I think there's a a gap between childhood games. <laughs> Are we in the gap? Are we just about and, to be Skynet? And a, ooh, it's common, dude. You, you talk about it a little bit in this uh, in this episode. We did, we did. Um, but it's no, like I, I remember watching it, and it's very much a part of like nerd culture. Uh, like, and it's the nostalgia is there for me. Listen, I've heard the interview, and it is. I I before you talked about this, I didn't know this organization existed. And I think there's they're starting to reach out and do more things like this. Mm. It's going to help them explode because the people that know and love the ice maker know and love these things now watch them growing up. Absolutely. You know, those kids are engineers. Now they are people that can have the means to do this. Mm. And I think that's, that's huge for things that we loved that are just exploding right now. Nerd culture. It's a huge part of nerd culture. And uh, I didn't know they were right there a half hour away from me. It's in, in March 2nd, uh, which is their next big tournament. Actually, I should talk about who, you know, who they are. Uh, Havoc Robotics, which runs the NHRL or the National Havoc's Robotics League. Uh, these are the people that are turning robot combat into an actual competitive sport and ice sport. So like BattleBots in the show we watched before was just like competitions. They're taking it to the next level, which is really, really cool. Um, if you happen to be somebody who doesn't know what uh, robot combat is, just imagine in your heads for a second, guys uh, and ladies, uh, power tools trying to kill each other. These are remote-controlled robots that are fought across three weight classes. Uh, they have the 3, 12, and 30 pounds and are built from materials ranging anywhere from 3D-printed plastics to steel, titanium. Uh, typically, they feature some type of weapon that's a spinning blade or a flamethrower. Uh, what's really specific about... Uh, Havoc Robotics competitions, the NHRL, is their competitions are set up with bots progressing through bracket-style tournaments. Uh, winners have about 20 minutes to repair their robots or they're eliminated. Uh, winners are competing for cash, uh, a trophy called the Golden Dumpster, and a place at the NHRL's uh, annual World Championship Tournament. Uh, so that's a, that's a lot on the table. That's a lot of pressure, and that's 
really, really cool. And this event on March 2nd, it's a day-long event. You're not going for like two hours to watch a oh, couple of fights. Absolutely. You're going from like 10 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night or something like that. 10.30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can watch them getting set up. You can watch the the prelims, the repairs yeah. in between. Yeah. And it's it, I'm, I'm no engineer. I'm, I'm not clever enough. I don't have the training for this, but it sounds like a grind. If you're if your bot gets pierced in the head in the first fight, you somehow win. You got to fix it for the next fight, or you're not going to go on. So my, these guys are they got to take all that into account when they're building these things, which is outrageously impressive to me. And then last an entire day of fights. I, my anxiety would be through the roof. I, I I don't think. And and you've met me. I'm for the most part, I'm a pretty mellow person. I was gonna say. I was gonna say sometimes. Like, yeah, my, sometimes. <laughs> uh, like my wife's more like she's the high stress person in the family. <laughs> um, I actually just recently saw saw a TikTok, and I think this checks out. Uh, it talks about how all good relationships are one person is high strung and stressed about everything, and the other person just rolls with it. And I feel like that's marriage to a T. I don't know. Is that you and you we've know? been texting for the days? We, our entire friendship now that that's what we are in with our wives. <laughs> we I just said they'd be great friends. They would yeah. drive each other crazy, like they drive us crazy, but they'd yeah. be amazing friends. Yeah, I, I hope they don't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I I think it's a good uh, spot to segue. Let's go ahead and let's transition into this uh, actual interview, and the interview will wrap up there. Uh, so enjoy guys i am been joined tonight uh with kelly biederman uh the ceo of havoc robotics which is the host of the national havoc robotics league the world's largest series of robotic combat tournaments she has over 15 years of ex expertise across news and media companies and before joining havoc robotics she held the senior leadership role in operations strategy and digital transformation at katie cork media dow jones and the wall street journal and she is a self-described qualitative pattern spotter now uh, kelly i had to google this i did not <laughs> know what that was it's not often i have to google things and uh, uh how did you do this how like how did this become a thing um sure so i yeah i, I call myself a qualitative pattern spotter largely just out of um you know, in my in my background and in my career, what I've really been able to to focus on is uh, taking in a lot of information and just being able to recognize patterns across it. A lot of people would, you know, see that in in hard data and mm -hmm. and hard numbers, and of course, that's a big part of it. But I think that you know, part of my superpower is being able to also take in uh, more qualitative and anecdotal information and be able to to spot opportunities and patterns within that. And that's really a lot of what led me to. Um, you know, when I when I arrived at NHRL and Havoc uh, to really just see that there was this immense opportunity for the sport and for the NHRL uh, overall. And, and that was really part of what drew me to the opportunity to, to join the team. That's awesome. Um, so I like I, I'm looking at this description of you and Dow Jones, Wall Street Journals, and then you're going to robots that combat each other. That is and absolutely like it's a jump but it's also really cool um so let's kind of talk about what the the nhrl is here can you share the story behind the founding of the nhrl uh what inspired you guys to start this league you know what was the initial vision behind it 
Sure. Well, yeah, it was a uh, it was a hard left turn uh, into robot combat from a career that had been anchored in in news and women's media. So you're not the only one to comment on it. I think most <laughs> yeah. of my friends and family were a little confused um, because my background is not in robotics or STEM. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, our NHRL was established prior to my arrival. Uh, it was founded by Austin McCord, a successful tech entrepreneur who started the league uh, back in 2018. He, you know, it landed in robot combat just as sort of a side project and a hobby and thought, you know, this is really, really fun, really, really exciting and interesting, but it doesn't really feel uh, as a product and as an event and as an opportunity quite as exciting as it could be. He saw a lot of potential in this. He's uh, like I mentioned, uh, a successful entrepreneur himself um, and had really just seen this tremendous excitement and enthusiasm around taking something and building something new with it. Just so much creativity, a lot of skill building across all sorts of engineering disciplines. Um, but, you know, the event experience at the time and, and where he had gotten involved in it felt um, really grassroots really, really uh, hyper local. And he had this vision for something that was uh, a driver of growth across STEM fields that you know really leaned into how exciting and fun this was to watch mm. and to participate in. And so that was really where the idea for NHRL started. And um, Austin is an entrepreneur uh, just in, in all senses of the word and had this idea and, you know, figured out how he could get started. And it was as simple as, you know, finding a robot fighting arena. Um, we fight robots in, inside of uh, steel and bulletproof glass boxes. They're sort of like a giant fish tank the size of your dining room. Uh, he, you know, found where he could buy a robot fighting arena. He posted on the internet that he wanted to host fights uh, in an office building that he owned in Norwalk, Connecticut. And from there, it just blossomed. And that was, you know, back in 2018. And I joined about two and a half years ago. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I come from more of a media background. I, I don't come from robotics or STEM, but when you come from media and you work at places like the Wall Street Journal and for people like Katie Couric, you uh, really see the the kinds of engagement and, uh, and commitment that fans and customers want to, you, that you want to have among your fans and customers mm. for your business. And when I landed at NHRL and saw the first uh, tournament and saw and got to meet some of the builders and really got to understand the product, it was the kind of engagement that, you know, we've, it, and all of my other, at all of my other touch points in my career had really been, been chasing after. Um, and when you saw that just immediate levels of engagement, it just screamed opportunity. And I just really was super excited to, to try something new and uh, put my mark on this and be able to really build it into what we've been able to achieve so far. And we've got so much more to do. What were some of the biggest challenges you think you faced in the early days of the NHRL? Um, I think that, you know, there's this high interest level in STEM uh, hmm. and it's been growing among particularly younger generations, but historically there are just really, you know, a number of barriers to entry that have hampered the growth of, of an enthusiasm in STEM fields and STEM careers. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of that is us really focusing on accessibility, really focusing on creating as much opportunity for people to get into the sport, identifying where those barriers are and really trying to tackle them one at a time. So uh, we're certainly not done. Uh, there are a number of, of barriers to entry and that's in, in the world of STEM that are things that are, you know, beyond the scope of what we're able to do on our own. But we're really excited to be a part of that and, and 
you know, harnessing that excitement and that enthusiasm around STEM and the future uh, of STEM and careers among young people and being able to put the tools and resources in their hands to be able to, um, to, to harness that excitement and enthusiasm. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, what does a typical day look like for you guys at the NHRL? Um, in terms of our team, uh, internally, you know, we have uh, an enormous amount that we are trying to do. We're running on this event to event cycle a lot mm. of the time. And so we're, you know, preparing for the next tournament before the, the most recent one ends typically. Um, but it's, it's a small team and we just get through, uh, you know, a lot of feedback and a lot of, uh, data to really just try to, to put on the best events that we possibly can and really build NHRL and robot combat into a sport from a hobby. Uh, that's really the ambition. And we're just really excited about the work that we do every day to really push that forward. Um, in terms of a typical event day for, you know, competitors and fans, uh, we have, it's really an event weekend. Uh, we've got competitors that fly in from all around the country, all around the world uh, to come and compete on our stage. That has been really amazing to see that growth uh, and, and that excitement from across all sorts of borders. Um, but folks arrive, uh, they, you know, check in, they're getting really excited to see their friends and to, you know, get their robots ready to compete the next day. And um, tournament days are, you know, start to finish just this insanely action-packed, really fast-paced experience. I mean, we're talking about tournaments that uh, have, you know, upwards of 150 to 200 robots per tournament. Um, and they're fighting, yeah, they're fighting all day, uh, starting at nine o'clock in the morning, all the way through until, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And uh, we run well over 200 fights a tournament. Um, and builders are, you know, putting their robot in a box, fighting against another robot and and having to go back and, and do, you know, repairs within 20, 30 minutes uh, of doing so. So it was a really fast paced experience. There's nothing really like it. There's not really something where um, a STEM enthusiast or an engineer could really get the same level of experience uh, in another in another capacity. This is just such a unique place. And um, we've really tried to to make it something that is, you know, just a, a fun competition. We want to avoid anyone feeling, you know, too burnout. And I think we, we do a great job of that um, where people come in and, and just are super excited to help support each other. Our community is amazing. Uh, there it's, you know, as collaborative, if not more collaborative than it is competitive at times. Hmm. Um, and that's just something that's really unique and special about, about robot combat more widely, but particularly what we've tried to create and harness at NHRL. That's the the adrenaline rush that's going through my head, the anxiety that I can only imagine that you guys have to deal with on the side, not even alone the competitors here. That And first off, for having people come around the world, uh, that's got to be a really fun feeling, especially considering you know, this this has only been around for, you know, since 2018. I was going to say a couple of years and then I realized 2018 is like six years ago. Oh yeah. my gosh. Uh, aging myself here. Uh, it, but it, you know, the dopamine that you must get from it, are you even able, are you able to enjoy some of the the competitions or do you not have the time? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we had a competition toward the end of the year where I actually got to help compete, which was a first time experience for me. And, uh, hmm. I was able to, to, Kind of moonlight on a team and help them out, which was a lot of fun. And um, I learned a lot. I think, you know, I I really love what we do. I love my job. I love NHRL. I, I feel so passionately about it. So yeah, I, I think I do really try to enjoy it. But um, 
you know, it's really what brings you a lot of joy is seeing the impact that this mm. has on the people that are there and how meaningful it is to um, to the people who are competing. And whether that's watching somebody who's come back for, you know, their, you know, fifth or sixth event and they've been competing their heart out every time. And, and then suddenly they make it to the final rounds and they win the tournament and the emotion, the raw emotion that they experience, you know, having poured their heart and soul into something that they're so passionate about seeing that and seeing how much it means to people um, is, is so powerful and impactful. Um, we have, you know, a lot of people in our community who, you know, just have a hard time fitting in with traditional sports and don't really find, you know, haven't really found a, a place to land. And we hear all the time from, you know, our builders themselves, as well as, you know, the parents of some of the younger builders that they tell us that they've found their people here. And to know that you have this kind of impact in this, um, it, it just really creates so much inherent meaning and value uh, in the work that you're doing. And, and you just feel so passionate about being able to support that. And whether it's our fans who come to, to see this and we hear, you know, people have traveled from, you know, they, uh, last summer I was talking to a, a family that had traveled in from across the country. They, they asked their son early in the year, you know, what do you want to go? What do you want to do for your family vacation? He said, I want to go to Normont, Connecticut and watch robots. Um, so they came all the way from Texas to just come in and watch a tournament as their family vacation. And people plan their honeymoons around being here. And they, you know, we have teams from Brazil that fly in from all over the world, from, uh, from Brazil, like five or six times last year to come and compete with us. And to see that sort of excitement, you just, it immediately makes it really enjoyable because you are doing something that means so much to so many people. And um, I can't say I've ever felt so much meaning in the work that I do uh, before I got to, to NHRL. That's first off, no words for that. That's amazing. I mean, and here's the thing. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but robots are kind of a big part of like nerd culture. Uh I'm joking. Uh, like it's, but it is, <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> it's no, but it is. It's in robot, robotic culture and nerd culture. It's, it's, it's a, a huge collaboration, a lot of love there. And the, they're the fact that you guys are able to bring something really fun and entertaining and make an engaging sport out of it. Kudos to you. Like seriously, the, you. the nerd community is one of those communities that is, a lot of, I mean, I mean, for my generation's point of view, you know, I'm 37, so I'm aging myself here a little bit, but like nerdy stuff was not cool. And to have it be a thing that I see at my son's school, they're doing robotics, which is how I got into doing this episode. It's, it's very humbling and very uh, like, I, I happy to see that this is a progression that society has taken and yeah. that you get yeah. to make this thing and do you get to find the next generations of everything scientists technicians and with your stem projects that you guys are doing you're helping create them and promote them and expand their horizons and absolutely it's that's such absolutely. an amazing thing it is an amazing thing and i mean i think like we're all nerds about something um absolutely. and i think that you know being able to recognize that and see that in somebody else whether you know I, again i'm not a builder. I've, I'm not a, a, a roboticist. I've, I've never been in this space before, but I would certainly be the first person to raise my hand and say, I've, I'm a nerd about plenty of other things. Um, <laughs> and I think that uh, you just kind of 
that's a an amazing piece of just you know growing up and and you know being an adult now and and having a lot of self-acceptance of, of those sorts of things that maybe I and I'm sure you know to your point um you know may not have been something that you have throughout your childhood and that can make yeah. it really hard and I think that historically, you know, a lot of pathways into STEM, whether it's robotics or anything else have been, you know, a little bit socially ostracized. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, traditional sports and, you know, lax bros and all of that stuff is, is, you know, a little bit more of a socially accepted thing in a lot of, you know, school environments in particular. Um, and I think that that's been at the detriment of creating a really he healthy pipeline of people into STEM. And so instead, like taking all of these different things that are happening, you know, we're, uh, the acceptance of, of you know, neurodivergence is, is increasing. Um, and I think there's a, a strong Venn diagram there uh, with, you know, neurodivergence in, in our sport in particular, but mm -hmm. um, across STEM fields. Uh, I think that also the, um, the, the growth of really big fandoms, I mm -hmm. think esports, you know, created a really great platform for this. Absolutely. Um, with, you know, the evolution of, of, you know, platforms like Discord, where you can really create a rabid fan base about things and, and nerd out about what you're excited by. Mm -hmm. um, those are all tools that have helped us certainly, um, and, and have created a culture and an environment in which NHRL and robot combat can, can thrive and grow. And I think that the more that we can uh, through our responsibility, create a pathway into STEM that is treated um, the same way a sport would be treated, where we focus so much on storytelling and on um, creating really amazing and engaging content that goes viral and has these moments that people get excited by. It helps to create that accessibility in a way that, you know, historically the pathways into robotics, as an example, have been, you know, really academic. Um, you know, first robotics and Bex robotics are, are massive programs that are huge feeders into into you know our program, much less into you know robotics as as a as a path and as a career. Mm -hmm. um, but in that environment, you're building to spec, uh, where you know you have a task and you have to build a robot that is is performing that task. And in our space, it's it's a bit more creative and a bit more you know how do I solve this problem? And it's it's a lot more about the strategy. Um, and the creativity and the approach to how you might tackle, you know, a new meta that is forming, or you want to really harness flamethrowers, you really want to experiment with that and, and like come to any trail and figure out how to do those things. It's a dangerous thing that you can learn how to do safely with us. Um, and it also creates this amazing, you know, content and opportunity for people to feel like this is something that that they want to invite their friends to come and see and that, you know, people want to come and watch. And that, like I said, they find us on social media and then they travel across the country to come and fight robots or, um, or, you know, become fans and want to have their honeymoon. And <laughs> You know, it's all of these sorts of things that we're, that we're able to do and, and harness. And I think it's just this constellation of so many things that are happening that um, have made it really possible to see the sort of success we've seen so far. Absolutely. Um, so kind of talking about, um, you know, we got into a little bit about the the community and you know the all the aspects of it. Uh, how do let's let's go to kind of the the competitor side of this. Uh, how do mm -hmm. competitors collaborate and support each other? Because obviously, this is a community that loves to beat each other's robots in, but they also like to keep each other up while they do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, like I said before, it's as collaborative as it is competitive. And I mm. think that's something that's a little bit magical for NHRL, but I think it's really born out of 
the spirit of engineering. And if you think about a, a different discipline of engineering that isn't quite as prevalent in robot combat, but you think about software engineers, um, software engineers will write code and, and build some sort of a product. And then they upload that code to the internet in order to find other people who will poke holes in it and break it and, mm. and find all of its weaknesses. And I think that that is a really great analogy for what you see in all sorts of other disciplines in engineering, but particularly what you see within the, the confines of, of our sport, um, where you can only be the best if you're competing against the best. And so, of course, there are, you know, little secrets and fun things that people keep to themselves and, and people who are people in teams who are a little bit more um, secretive than others. But in our Discord, you'll often find, I mean, the most active Discord channel that we have in our server is bot building, uh, where people are asking questions and saying, you know, I'm having this trouble, I'm having some trouble with uh, my ESC, I keep frying my ESC, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And then you have a builder who, you know, quite literally a builder who has won seasons of battle bots, um, and is, you know, a celebrity within our community is in there. Um, answering questions, posting photos of the, of the inside of his robot, sharing a CAD design, offering support, saying at the next tournament, like, come by my table, bring your robot and let me help you figure it out. That's and in awesome. no other in no other world do you really see that sort of disintermediation between the greatest of all time and, and a rookie beginner builder. But there's something just really magical about everyone wanting to be able to support the growth of the sport and the influx of new people and make it as fun as and exciting for them and for the next generation of people in particular. So I think um, that's something that I'd never really been able to see before. I'm, I am an ex-athlete uh, and, you know, it, it's certainly not something that really happens in, in other environments that I've seen oh, yeah. um, in this way. And I, I do think that there is that that engineering spirit, that like collaborative open source environment where you're only as good as the person who can break your your software, break your strategy. And, and to be able to translate that to what we do is I think a, a big piece of, of what we recognize as being the backbone of, of our really, really positive community. Absolutely. And and I, I love how you talk about the, the, the 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 competitors actually describing each other's robots and looking into them and trying to break them and trying to figure them out. Um, when I was researching uh, about this and getting ready for our interview, I was able to find this hilarious uh, robot uh, for, by a, a young gentleman out, and I believe he was out in California. And everybody, people were wearing shirts with a butt on them. And oh, I, Droopy. Yes, Droopy. <laughs> I love that robot. I, I, I'm going to have to get me a shirt because that dude was, he... Oh, yeah. thought about everything he thought about the motion of the robot he thought about how the blades were going to go and how that was going to you know counter the robot moving and he made that work for him and yeah the community loves him it's oh i mean tommy's tommy's great uh tommy wong is the builder behind your yes, he's amazing yes. um and great guy and brilliant engineer um and yeah i mean it's it's builders like tommy a uh, good friend of his is a guy named Calvin Eba who runs a really successful uh, three-pound robot called Lynx um, and another uh, three-pound robot that's one of our most successful flamethrowers uh, flame called Mixtape that uses really cool technology oh to God, create a, a competitive flamethrower, which is something that has been a little difficult to achieve historically. But at NHRL, we've seen you know a lot of growth in that category and, and flamethrowers are becoming you know, as much of a spectacle as they actually are competitive, oh, which yeah, is gotta, exciting. It's, it's um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, builders are, are constantly optimizing for everything. I mean, to the point that they're, you know, um, 
they're chasing us for like, what are the humidity levels in the building? Because it affects, uh, we use wood floors. So the humidity levels affect the, the, the wood and how it performs in certain environments. They need to know exactly the kind of paint that we use to paint the wood floors. Um, because if it has, you know, any kind of a change, it can affect the performance of the robot. Um, the temperature affects it. Uh, they wow. are, you know, optimizing. I mean, you're, when you think about it, it's, you know, you're, you're trying to build a robot and you have, you know, a three pound limit or, you know, if you're taking advantage of weight bonuses, you might get like a couple extra pounds here and there, but regardless, it's, you're optimizing for, for very specific things. And mm. so the choice of material to, in the screws that you use or the weapon that you use, um, or your, um, or your armor are all choices that you're making and trade-offs that you're having to make. And so I think it's just this really exciting thing to see, them, you know, make a decision that if they're going to put a ton of weight into their weapon and, and choose a heavier material there, they might do it in exchange for, you know, a less intense armor and, and all of these sorts of things. So you just see these, these designs um, that are evolving and, and, you know, they, they're really just super, super, uh, they're just brilliant, brilliant builders. Mm. Um, and they're really taking advantage of, of their knowledge and testing it constantly. And it, like I said before, it's an environment that's really unique. There aren't a lot of other places where um, as an engineer, you're putting your product uh, or your, your design into a box, into an environment where you have no idea what the opponent is going to be able to do. And then you have a very short window of time after a fight to diagnose the problem and repair and then get yourself set up strategically for whoever your next opponent is that might be a completely different weapon type than the one that you fought before um and so if you're you know having to to understand that you really need a deep understanding of your robot you need to really understand the disciplines behind uh each of those those you know categories of engineering um and so it's something that's just really unique and, and an amazing environment and you know builders come with these really amazing creative exciting designs it's a uh, demographic that you wouldn't really find is uh, when you that. have, you know, mechanical, uh, you know, repair technicians for industrial mechanical equipment mm -hmm. next to, you know, MIT PhD candidates is not really like a demographic that next to, you know, retired rocket scientists, um, you know, it's, it's, it runs the gamut, which is I pretty cool. I love that though. Like, it really is fun. Um, but like the fact that the, these competitors are, Asking about paint and wood and humidity, never would that ever have crossed my mind. Um, Me either. <laughs> so kind they of challenge us every day. That's and that's I love that. Uh, which is a great segue to my next question for you. Has there ever been? Let's start with. We'll make this very specific. Was there ever a a, a weapon or something that made you guys? We didn't prepare for that. Uh, with one of the robots. Um... I wouldn't say that we never prepared for it. We weren't um, expecting it. Um, no, I mean, we have a, a pretty uh, robust process in advance. We've got really, really specific rule set and everybody mm -hmm. has to, um, you know, disclose a bunch of information about the robot before it comes to make okay. sure that it's all safe. But um, I think that what we really challenge ourselves to do is to provide a fair and level playing field for people to compete and to really constantly um take on the burden and responsibility of, of ensuring that that environment is safe based on what people are bringing. Um, we have a really, really well-designed arenas that go through regular testing to be, you know, continually improved and, uh, you know, continuing to keep up with the evolution of technology and, and with the builders that are bringing new and different things. Um, and, you know, we have, you know, 
builders who want to challenge, uh, you know, the upper ends of, of tip speed and um, they, you know, want to test those things out. And to the extent that we're able to, to allow them to do that safely, mm -hmm. that's part of what we try to encourage, because I think that um, robot combat has been around for 20, 30 years. Uh, it's not something that we created. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, existed at, at a local level for a very long time, as well as through, you know, shows like BattleBots and Robot Wars and stuff like that. Um, but I think that as technology has evolved um, and, you know, the power of a motor has has really just changed in that time frame. And, um, you know, there's new technology emerging all the time. I mean, AI is, is virtually untouched in our sport um, so far. That. And so to think about all of these things, what we really want to be able to do is to make this as tech first as possible and to really make it into an environment and into a sport that that is on the cutting edge of technology in a way that it hasn't always been. Um, so we really take it upon ourselves to um, to encourage people to come with new and innovative and creative designs um, and things, you know, like having to change and adjust our fuel limits for, you know, flamethrowers is, is just part of the role and part of our responsibility in um, having policies and practices that allow people to, like I said before, do dangerous things safely. And that's mm, a big yeah. responsibility for us, but, but it's, you know, one that we really uh, prioritize. Absolutely. Let me emphasize this, ladies and gentlemen. Safety is definitely your guys' number one yes. thing. Absolutely. Completely understand that. What my mind was going is you're talking about a drone with a flamethrower. And mm -hmm. again, another thing I would have never thought about, but yet there is somebody who said, you know what this uh, flyer needs? He needs fire. And so mm -hmm. I was like, okay, did not see that one coming. Mm -hmm. um, what are some advice you would give to somebody who was interested in getting involved in the combat robotics and potentially competing in the NHRL? I mean, I think um, people have a lot of different pathways in, but I think a lot of it is just, you know, familiar, watch a lot of content, just, you know, mm -hmm. we create a ton, a ton of content across all of our social media and um, you can kind of get a lot of ideas from that, but there, there aren't as many barriers to entry uh, as, as there used to be. Um, you know, you can, get an idea in your head and figure out through, you know, resources like YouTube videos and um, our Discord server is a great place to go to, you know, share an idea and to see what other people are saying. Um, but you can order a 3D printer on the internet and get it to your house and run it out of your dining room. And um, you can order batteries from Amazon. And, you know, it's, it's not something where um, you have to kind of start from from a specific place or a specific entry point. Um, there are weight classes as low as 150 grams that people are fighting in. And um, so it's, you know, it, it really ranges. And for us, we, we are, like I said before, focus on three pound, 12 pound and 30 pound. Three pound is a really amazing entry point. Although 12 and 30 uh, as entry point are really fun because you have a little bit more weight to play with. And so you get really creative uh, designs with, mm. with from rookies at, at sort of the higher levels um at the higher weight classes but uh yeah i mean there's just a lot of resources online and, and just getting an idea watching a lot of fights you see in our comments um on on tiktok as an example mm. um people starting to get ideas and they start to say like wait a minute what if you did this or what if you did that and we try to respond to those comments in a way that you know encourages them to continue to iterate on that idea and 
um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun to see people being inspired by what we're doing and, and wanting to get involved that way. So it's, it's working so far. That's, and that's awesome. I love it. Like I said, my son is in robotics in middle school and he, you know, the high school team has a robotics team. I would have died to have that as a kid. Like that's absolutely mean, truly jealous of my, my <laughs> kids at this point, not going to lie. Um, and I love the fact, you know, th this, I love that. I, I look, when I looked at through your guys' website and everything, I could buy a robot. I could buy mm. a competitive robot, uh, you know, and I think that's awesome. That's a blast that you can do all these things and learn and, and, and just absolutely grow with this as a hobby, as a lifestyle. It is just, yeah. there's so much to it. Um, yeah. I mean, the number one things we're asked by people when they come to our tournaments is how do I get involved uh, when they come to watch. And so we are launching Havoc Academy. Um, uh, we're in the process of, of getting our first Havoc Academy course off the ground. We're calling it Crash Course. Um, and it's your first entry point into into getting all of the basics down for how yeah. you can you know build a, a combat robot and we're really excited about that because it's something where we can really you know help to own that pipeline of it and help mm. to bring more people in but you know um, not to you know limit it to that there's so many other ways for people to get into into the sport and to harness a creative idea and so we just you know want to encourage anybody to come in and whatever avenue they they get excited by absolutely uh and, and you know i know we were kind of talking about uh you know stem and everything uh but how do you think the uh the combat robotics how does it you know how do you think it influences stem education and the interest of engineers and young people yeah i mean like i said i think that um we we just sit at sort of an interesting intersection um of of different approaches and pathways mm. into STEM. And I think that um, what we really are focused on on doing is uh, making it a, a really fun and enjoyable, uh, you know, safe, exciting, but really fun and enjoyable place to, to come and compete in a soft landing spot for people mm. who are excited to, to harness some sort of excitement they have around STEM. And I think that um, we are really, uh, we really encourage people to to come in and 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 get reps in and uh, and to just we have you know open access to our tournaments. Anyone can enter. We don't charge an entry fee. Um, we really just try to nice. to ensure that we um, encourage people to come in as much as possible and lower those barriers to entry that we can control. And then really just try to invest and and support other pathways in. We've uh, you know, been able, we've been fortunate to be able to give away uh, $4 million to STEM organizations over the last couple of years. So That's awesome. um, we've, you know, given to collegiate programs, we've given to high school programs, local organizations, maker spaces, mm. um, all sorts of different organizations. And then also, you know, national nonprofits that help to support STEM education across the board and being able to help to, to do those things is some of the most meaningful work I've been able to do. And I know that also because we're doing that giving on behalf of our builder community and giving back to the programs that have supported them, I think that it really helps to, um, you know, give back to well, Launchpad that helps mm. generate their excitement and their enthusiasm in what they do um, and, and hopefully bring that to more people. So I think that that's a big piece of, of our focus is to try to give back to STEM uh, education across the board to bring more people in. And then on our end, it's just a matter of 
you know, create really great content and, and, um, and push that out and, and allow people to see that uh, competing at a robot combat tournament can be just as exciting as competing in a, in a big sporting event. Um, and to have, you know, a thousand people chanting the name of your robot and, you know, being as excited for you about your wins and as devastated for you uh, about your losses because we, you know, are able to humanize it and, um, and really be able to, to make it less about just a, a STEM activity and really something that is, you know, part of just playing into, you know, what, what makes us all human, I think is just a really exciting piece of all of it. And um, hopefully that answers that question. No, yeah, you definitely did. Uh, I mean, I, I love everything about it. I love that you said, you know, hopefully it makes it as, as exciting as other sports. I'm, I'm sitting here going, dude, there's not a sport that I could even remotely compare to battling robots. That's so much cooler on so many levels. It is so much cooler. Thank it, you. It is. I would, I have my, my co-host, he loves, you know, his 49ers were in the, the Super Bowl, but I would mm. much rather see. He lost to Taylor Swift. Uh, he did. He lost to the Swifties. Oh, I, I can't wait for them to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> but I would much rather watch these robots. And, you know, I, I, I love that we're getting into this because you guys have an event coming up on March 2nd. Uh, so very exciting. Um, let, let's go into getting that. And then I have another question for you about us. Uh, you want to get your opinion on something so you got an event coming up on march 2nd we do we have our second qualifying tournament of the year so mm -hmm. we've got a bunch of builders lined up some really exciting names that are coming and um you know tickets are on sale uh you can attend in person here in norwalk uh you can also watch us online we live stream all of our tournaments on youtube um and so tons of fights to watch and um we have uh hardcore fan stream throughout the day where you can catch pretty much all of the fights that we run. And then um, in the evening, we have a, a primetime stream that streams quarterfinals on. So that's really, you know, watching the the top fights of the day and really helping to see who's going to, who's going to qualify for world championships. Um, so it's a really exciting competition. People are really, really stoked. Um, and it's, you know, it's just such an amazing thing to watch online, but uh, the feeling of being next to one of our 30 pound arenas when two giant robots crash into each other and rocket launch each other into the ceiling is is kind of unparalleled so um, definitely worth worth the trip if you're if you're in the area to be able to come and check it out so yeah, yeah you can uh, get more information about attending uh, at nhrl.io and you can also find us on youtube at national havoc that's awesome. I, I'm legitimately excited. I'm I'm very much interested. Um, I, I did want to ask you this because you kind of brought up AI technology earlier. Mm -hmm. um, kind of asking you this, uh, how do you see AI technology affecting robotics for like robot yeah. competitions? So we uh, we've seen a few builders that are interested in, in exploring AI technology. We had mm. uh, a builder last year, uh, a guy named Jim Kasmer, one of my favorite builders in the community, um, really knowledgeable guy. He runs uh, a couple of different robots that are all in a category called Melty Brains, mm -hmm. um, which is one of my favorite types of robot. It's uh, essentially a disc that spins insanely fast, like 2000 RPM or something. Uh, wild uh they're really wow. really fun to watch um and they are a really interesting type of robot because um not all robots most robots in our space i should say don't really require um software engineering in the same way that you know a, 
a different robot would. A lot of it is more mechanical and electrical engineering and mm-hmm. melty brains are, uh, they rely on, on being computer programmed and Jim is an ex-CTO and, uh, and startup technologist. And so he uh, is, is a little bit of a tinkerer on the software front and has built this fleet of melty brains, but he built NHRL's first fully autonomous robot called Deep Melt last year that won a few matches and didn't end up, you know, going all the way or anything, but we, we were really excited to see that, you know, come to fruition. And we get requests all the time from builders. who are just trying to kind of explore an idea. So mm-hmm. I think it'll definitely take off. We really want to encourage that. I think that we would love to be able to, at some point in the, in the future, host an autonomous tournament um, or, you know, a, a an autonomous versus a traditional robot combat design uh, tournament and, and see how those things go. But, you know, again, we just really want to ensure that from our angle, we're really encouraging robot combat to evolve as technology evolves and keep it cutting edge in a way that um, that it hasn't really done over time. And so anything that we can do to encourage people to try new things, test out new materials, and also, you know, try something autonomous, we would love to encourage it. Now, serious question here. How far away are we from a completely autonomous robot boxing match. I, I need to know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I I can't say that I have given an enormous amount of thought to robot boxing matches. Um, but uh, <laughs> let's let's say for legal reasons, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna <laughs> All I was going through my head when like when you're talking about the AI is I, I can't remember the name of the movie. It's gonna drive me crazy. Uh uh there's a lot there's a lot it. of a lot yeah, of but... post-apocalyptic terrifying <laughs> ideas of robots and fortunately i think we we're some distance away from that okay so we NHRL. don't have to worry about the terminators though <laughs> no. we're good there Ho- hopefully no uh we we don't fight humanoid robots uh okay. so so luckily uh if if the robot apocalypse starts somewhere it's hopefully not natural. I, I, I like that. And I, I, I love the idea of everything that you guys do. Uh, the the NHRL is absolutely a, a blast to check out. Seriously, ladies and gentlemen, uh, March 2nd, if you are in the, the New England area, if you're in the United States, come see it. If you're in the world, you're on this planet, you're hearing this, come check this out. I'm absolutely excited for it. I'm definitely going to go check this out. I love that this is in my backyard, that I can go and see robots fighting anytime and that you guys are providing such a positive and you know safe, gotta emphasize safe, very much safe environment for you guys to go and try these things out. I love that that I can do it, my kids can do it, and that there are people that are older than me that are still doing it. That that brings it even to a better uh, fruition for me uh, in your culture in general. Um, honestly, I think this is a great place to wrap up. Uh, so Kelly. I know you said the website, but I would love for you to say it again. Where can the good people out in Nerd Nation find you guys? Absolutely. So we're across social media. You can find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram at National Havoc. Uh, And you can find our website at nhrl.io. Awesome. Uh, So let's go ahead and let's wrap this up on our side. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so please like us and follow at DNA Pod or on our webpage, nerddnapod.com. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and I have been joined by the wonderful, the amazing, the robot-crushing Kelly Biederman, (laughs) CEO of Havoc Robotics, the National Havoc Robotics League. Ladies and gentlemen, go check them out. Seriously. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight.
Thank you so much, Steve. It was really great to meet you. Thanks so much for having me. And we look forward to uh, seeing you at NHRL soon. Absolutely. Thank you. And good night. Gonna make a big